He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. Surviving to Thriving has a YouTube channel, and one of my listeners asked me to do a hypnosis video for abundance. It's not surprising. Everywhere you look, there are courses and instructions about how to manifest abundance, right? It seems everyone wants more of something. It's been a couple of weeks now, and I haven't done it. It's complicated. People come to me quite often looking for a quick fix for cleaning their blocks around abundance, While I certainly have helped people double and even triple their income, it's not that simple because one of two things happens. Those same people either come back wanting to raise the ceiling even more, or they get it and lose it. On this podcast, I talk about moving from surviving to thriving by following the sacred wheel, and abundance is an earth energy. It's very important to survival. Every agricultural society throughout time has had harvest festivals and fertility festivals because abundance, increasing energy and bringing things to life is essential to life. If your life isn't overflowing with abundance, you have an imbalance in earth energy. So you're either not thinking with the right mindset, you have blocks, or maybe you grew up with, an un- with a consciousness of poverty, something like that's going on. And it's not usually just one thing. How you do anything is how you do everything. So it's probably showing up in lots of ways. Life's happier when energy flows. So in this podcast, I'm going to give you six ways to make some changes so that you can balance out that earth energy and bring some sunshine, happiness, and resources to your door. First, let me ask a favor of you. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe or review it. It helps the ranking so that more people can find it and benefit from the content. A rising tide lifts all boats, so more is more for all of us, right? All right. Not only that, but if you believe in the idea that we're all happier, healthier, and more connected by living in harmony with the sacred wheel, you can turn someone else onto the pathway of light and love. If you're in the free private online community, you know what I mean. It's a way of being that's natural, positive, and affirming, so why not share it? The link is in the show notes, so check that out. So it's a no-brainer that earth is the element of abundance. It's where our food comes from and all the resources that we need to survive. So it's kind of obvious to me that cultivating earth energy brings more abundance into our lives. But let me shine a light on that so that you can see it too. All right. So I'm not an astrologer, but in my opinion, Capricorn is the astrological sign of success and money. I'm not saying all Capricorns have it, but I'm saying that they're at the top of the most likely to succeed list. Why? Because Capricorn is earth energy. The symbol for Capricorn is the sea goat. And what do goats do? They climb. They climb to places that other animals can't get to. They keep going. They aren't intimidated by what's hard. 
They're comfortable at heights that others find sickening. While they can enjoy comfort and bling, they also understand sacrifice and can maintain themselves with little, so they accumulate. But maybe even more important than any of that is that they believe they can make it. They have a long-range vision and don't get intimidated by not being an overnight sensation. They have a sense of delayed gratification. Capricorn's at home in the 10th house, which is the house of public status and career. It's ruled by Saturn, who is the king of structure, hard work, and determination. So Capricorn is ambitious, adaptable, and they approach things like a project to accomplish. And most people that I see who search for abundance don't have a lot of that energy. They want to wish upon a star and wake up with a lottery win. They want to make a vision board and see those things materialize without any effort on their part. They want that energy to be sustained without any investment from them. It's like building a tower on a postage stamp or building a penthouse without making sure there's a firm foundation underneath. It's just not going to stand. For the same reason that my clients who break through the money ceiling lose it or want more. Yeah. So abundance is a mindset. It's an energy. It's not about how much you have. It's about how you think about what you have. If you have a consciousness of poverty, you'll run through that money and any other money that you have and be right back at your comfort level and energy level. The history of most lottery winners and professional athletes, movie stars, and rock stars bears this out. If they came from nothing, their spending often keeps up with their income and when the money stops or runs out, they're right back where they started. If your spending keeps pace with your income, you don't have an abundance problem. You have a spending problem, a budgeting problem, a priorities problem, a hoarding problem, an impulse control problem, or something that's not about how much you have. You're not happy with what you have, so you're not full inside and there's never going to be enough. So whether you have a $5,000, $50,000, $500,000 credit line, you'll max it out and spend that much and even more. If that rises, you'll spend even more. Nothing satisfies you. It's like the Greek myth of the man who entered Demeter's sacred grove and began chopping down a black poplar tree. Demeter disguised herself as a human and warned him to stop. And he threatened to strike her, so she cursed him with insatiable hunger. And the god of wine, Dionysus, also cursed him with insatiable thirst. And he spent all his money trying to fill himself up and ended up a beggar on the street searching for scraps. But it's not just true of people with high incomes. The same is true for working people too. If you measure what you can afford by a monthly payment, you're probably maxing out your spending. Every time I go car shopping, a salesperson asks me what I want my monthly payment to be and typically tells me that you can get me there. The monthly payment has nothing to do with the value of the car. If I pay $3,000 in interest over and above the sticker price so that I can hit that number, I have way overpaid for the car. That's not a good deal for me, and it's not a good use of my money. And driving around in a car that I can't afford is not a sign of abundance. <laughs> now, some might say, oh, it makes me feel good to ride in style and reliability. If that's what it takes me to get in the car, it's worth it to me. Well, to that I say, do you? I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their lives. You can buy whatever you want. And for whatever reason that you want, I'm just saying that abundance is not about the label on your clothes or your car. That's a consciousness of entitlement. That's saying, I deserve it, so I should have it. Again, nothing wrong with that, 
But if you don't have the money to back it up, it's an extravagance that'll cost you in the long run because it doesn't balance. All life in the sacred wheel balances. If you're putting out more than you're bringing in, that's a sandcastle that's going to collapse. Oh, you'll be running around in anxiety trying to keep all the plates that you have in the air spinning. And that's the definition of a rat race. You see, most people in the United States don't have a money problem. We have a mindset problem. Someone was telling me that he made $70,000 and didn't know how he could afford to live alone. I know someone else who's a single parent who's figuring it out on 35. So the single guy with an income of 70K doesn't have a money full problem. He's a spending problem and quite likely a lifestyle problem. And as long as that's in place, no windfall, no raise, no promotion is going to make a difference. His spending will keep pace with the available money and he will keep feeling like he's broke. Abundance isn't about what you have. It's a feeling of plenty. You could have abundance with very little. When I was in college, I drove a paid off beater and lived in a two bedroom apartment with one roommate that was absolute luxury compared with my friends. Most of them lived with two or or three or even four roommates on campus or in a dorm with no car at all. We always had food at my house that wasn't ramen noodles. And that was also a state of abundance compared with my friends. We didn't have nice furniture or matching dishes or a whole lot of other things, but my bills were paid. I had time to do things for fun. I had a social life and I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. We had very little and yet I was in the midst of plenty. The things that mattered to me were things like freedom, the basics like food and shelter, good friends, a great relationship with my family and things like that. There were mostly things that money couldn't buy, so there wasn't a whole lot that could threaten my sense of being wildly fortunate. Do you see what I mean? Abundance isn't about stuff. It's about valuing what you have. And if you value what you have, anything else that comes your way is icing on the cake. When you're satisfied with less, there's almost always enough. So why do we feel like we don't have enough? Well, If you have a subconscious program that says money is the root of all evil, your unconscious won't let you corrupt yourself. So it's not going to let you have wealth, right? Maybe you say something like, I always wanted to be a teacher. I know that they don't make a lot of money, but I'm serving the greater good and that's more important. Now I'm picking on teachers because they have a reputation for being underpaid, but I know that's not universally true. And the point of the statement is that if you're hiding behind some false modesty, or some virtuous image to keep from being seen as the bad guy with money, you're not going to have money or success. You rejected it. So that it, you keep it from being corrupted by it. And as I've said over and over on this podcast, nothing's good or bad. It's just a matter of whether it's used in the right way at the right time in the right quantity for the right purpose. Anything can be positive or negative. It just depends on the situation. So the rich people suck attitude is a way to reject abundance. If your unconscious says you're not worthy of abundance, you can't get what you don't believe. So your gains are going to be limited. Feeling not worthy is a huge problem with my clients. If you grow up with someone who is critical, put you down or made you feel like you couldn't do it without them, you probably have at least a little bit of this. It doesn't take a long time or anything extreme to create learned helplessness. Now tune in and lean into this because this is important. There's this experiment that's done over and over and it goes a little something like this. A teacher explains to the class that an anagram is when you see one word and rearrange the letters to make another word. So the word bat could be arranged to be tap. 
and the word dads could be ads. Got it? So the teacher passes out a paper with three words on it, and she asks the students to raise their hand when they figure out the anagram for the first word. About half the class raises their hands. Then she asks the students to raise their hand when they figured out the second word. Again, half the class raises their hands. Then she asks the class to raise their hands when they have the third word. That's when she does the big reveal and tells the class that there's two lists. Half the class got the list with two super easy words that would take about a second to figure out the enneagram. The first two words on the other half of the class were not solvable. Then everyone had the same third word, but by the time half of the unsolved list got the third word, their confidence was crushed. They had already learned that they were helpless and didn't even try because they convinced themselves they couldn't do it. And this can be generalized to so many things. If you grow up in a household that used judgment and punishment and you had to deserve things to get them, it would be easy to imagine that you might feel guilty for having nice things or that you would have a hard time receiving things even if you have the money to pay for them. If you grew up with a helicopter parent who did everything for you, protected you from life's hardships and gave you everything, you might not feel worthy of things because you never had to earn them. It doesn't take a lot of either overt or covert messages of you're not worthy to instill a lifelong belief that abundance is not for you. If your conscious mind says that having a lot is a big headache because you'll have to deal with taxes and people wanting handouts, your unconscious is going to protect you from that too. So if you want to know what your inside thinks, look at the outside. As within, so without. We are a perfect reflection of our programs. Getting your hands on mo more money won't help with any of that. In fact, it'll probably make it worse because your inside and outside aren't congruent, so your unconscious will find a way to bring you back into harmony with yourself so that you can be at peace. So if there's a block, you have to get rid of the block. And I help people with that every day. Send me an email and I'll be glad to help you too. But even if the block is removed, you still have to cultivate a mindset of abundance, and that's the easy part. All you have to do is to be grateful for what you have now. Notice it. Cherish it. Acknowledge it. I'd even go so far as to suggest that you begin to have a relationship with your stuff. Take care of your stuff. Keep it neat, clean, and pretty. Don't just hide things away in a closet. If it's important enough to acquire, put it out where it can be used, admired, and enjoyed. If you're not using something and don't love it, let it go to someone who will love it. You see, we only have so much time, energy, and attention. If we give our time, energy, and attention to people, things, and activities that we love, our lives will be full with far less stuff than we think we need. The first time I went surfing, absolutely loved it. Now, I don't live at the beach, but I was mentally calculating the cost of a rental for a surfboard and thinking it'd be much better for me to just buy one and all the gear. So I had mentally spent a ton of money thinking about all the fun I was going to have. But fortunately, common sense got the better of me because guess what? The beach is two and a half hours away. And how often do you think I've been surfing since then? So did I need a surfboard and wetsuit? No. Nor did I have the, to pay for the storage shed to house it all. And how many times have we all had thoughts like that? And how much stuff do we all have that might get used once a season? Or maybe never again? Thrift stores are overflowing with stuff with this tag still attached because we don't appreciate or use the impulsive things we think we need. That's an earth problem. So here's how I decide whether or not I need something. First, I consider the cost. 
Life's made up of time. And how much time do I have to give up to be able to pay for this thing? So to keep it simple, if I make $10 an hour and something costs $100, I'm giving up 10 hours of my life in exchange for that thing. Some things will be worth it, some won't. Another thing I consider is how much upkeep will this thing require? If it's a puppy, I'm trading a lot of life for the enjoyment and responsibility for another life. If it's a paperweight, not so much. If it's something that has to go into storage, like a boat, it's probably gonna be a big giant no for me. I like boats, I like being on the water, but I don't want the expense or responsibility for one, but that's just me. If you get rid of the things that suck up your time, you have time for a social life, a clean house, sleep, exercise, sex, and the little things that you used to do before you had kids. TV is a big time suck. My iPad has a timer that tells me how much time I spend online. So that can be a big time suck as well. When you look at your life, what do you want your time to be spent on? Working so you can have more stuff? Escaping from your life by watching TV or chatting with people online? I've got to tell you, I haven't done that video that I was asked for because I care about helping people and I want to give them what they want. I want it to be meaningful. And the person who asked me for the hypnosis video on abundance is probably looking for more stuff, not an attitude of plenty. We are one of the most affluent countries in the world. We have plenty. And it's inconceivable to me that we have an abundance problem. We don't. We have a perspective problem. So let me tidy this up and give you my six strategies to combat the feeling that there isn't enough. If you have a mindset issue or block, call me to get rid of that. The list won't help with that. You have to dissolve that. But if you don't, here's what you can do to help cultivate an attitude of abundance. So the first thing you know is gratitude. And I'm going to give you a skill for this. It's called opposites. When you catch yourself complaining or worrying that you don't have enough, flip it around and look how the opposite is true. For example, if my power bill is more than I expect and I start complaining about it, I catch myself and I say something like, Oh, I really enjoyed having all those Christmas lights last season. It sure was pretty. And that turns the energy around. So everything has two sides. I was in the Midwest last week, and I love going back there because people are so earthy. Midwestern people know how to embrace and enjoy the everyday sacred. I was tubing with uh, friends at a ski resort, and skiing has a reputation for being a rich person sport, kind of like golf. But in the parking lot were pickup trucks, and instead of people in high-priced water-repellent ski gear and designer glasses, people were wearing Carhartts with patches, so farm clothes. And families were laughing and playing together. There was no competition or posing or doing the jet set thing of being seen. It was just people enjoying the snow and a space of abundance. Love and laughter was in abundance along with camaraderie and appreciating nature. It wasn't about money or trying to fill a void or feeling good. It was just about being in the space of what is. There is so much in every moment that we miss if we don't have the eyes to see it. And gratitude is a great practice to expand that vision and feel how blessed we are. It has nothing to do with stuff, happiness, beauty, or the things that so many people chase. The second thing you can do is cultivate abundance is to build a life of values. So many people say that family is their top priority, but they don't even spend time with their families or know who they are as people. They might have nice pictures and their kids have all the right opportunities. On Facebook, it looks like the picture-perfect family, but they have no relationships. 
So figure out what's important to you and put that time, money, and energy into those things. You'll be amazed at how fulfilled you feel, even if it's something as simple as engaging in a hobby like quilting or playing the guitar. If you really enjoy making art, but you don't actually do it because you're too busy working to pay off a house that you don't spend any time in, how fulfilling is that? If you put your money, time, and energy into what you love, trust me, the things you don't have won't matter. The third thing I already mentioned, and that is to take care of what you already have. So use your stuff, maintain it, love it, make it a part of your life. If it's not part of your life, what's it doing here? Back in the day, people used to buy things for durability and price and hold on to something until it lost its usefulness or didn't work anymore. That's how we have antiques. Now we throw away and upgrade perfectly good things because there's a newer model. I wouldn't tell you where to draw the line. You can have whatever you want to have. I'm just suggesting that if you value what you already have, you will feel more full. The fourth thing is to release what is not part of your present life. So if I have my high school jacket in my closet, I might need to consider whether this is part of my present life or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Look at nature. Nowhere in nature do we see examples of creatures who accumulate stuff from birth to death. Only humans. It's a strange thing that we do. We're not great at letting go of emotions, stuff, relationships, hurts. New things can't come in if there's no space. I can't have an adult relationship if I'm holding on to my teenage stuff or the stuff that isn't here now. It's like living in a constant grudge or living in the past. There's no room for what's here now if I'm not here. Fifth is to learn how to receive. So start small, ask for help, and then let someone actually give it to you. Appreciate the way that it arrives rather than dictating how it has to be. I haven't always been a good receiver. I'm really good at taking care of myself, so it's not often that I want or need help, but because of that, it wasn't obvious that I had this problem. So one day, somebody gave me a sincere compliment and I was really touched. It was unexpected. And I realized how rare it was to receive a compliment like that. And I told her so, and I thanked her for her words. Since I said it aloud, I started thinking about what I said. It wasn't something that I actively worked on, but the next time someone gave me a compliment, I also noticed that because it was rare and sincere and I received it. Since then, it hasn't felt so rare anymore. Something just switched inside of me. I realized it was okay to be valued, seen, appreciated, and to receive. It didn't kill me. I didn't owe anybody anything in return and it was nice. And that was that, that was solved. Since then, things flow more easily to me. It could be that easy for you too. People wanna give, it's in our nature, but we also have this knowing when it's not welcome and don't extend it to people who don't appear to be open to it. So giving and receiving are a two way street. That leads me to number six and that's to give. As I said, abundance is a two-way street. It's not just about what comes to you. It's about what you give back. If it stops with you, the energy ends. So send out what you want. The best example of this is our moon circles and talking circles. I often end with a gift giving. So we all send blessings out for what we want. The blessings go out to the circle. So you may get what you send out or you might get what somebody else sent out or both. In the last talking circle, someone blessed us with permission. I never thought about permission before. I didn't think I needed permission, but wow, did things open up after that? I realized I had set a ceiling in my life that I didn't know was there and that ceiling popped right open after that. So bless people with smiles, 
compliments, well wishes, gifts, acts of kindness, whatever you have to give. We had a beautiful summer day last week that was almost 80 degrees in February. It felt amazing. I could hear the frogs singing, birds. Everything seemed to be as excited as I was. I walked into the woods feeling like I was sprinkling fairy love dust behind me and the forest was sending it right back. That's what I mean. We're always giving. Sometimes it's negativity. Sometimes it's attitude. Send out what you want to receive. It's amazing how it all circles back. Now to the person who asked me to do a hypnosis video on abundance, it's still on my radar. I just want to do it justice and do it in a way that reflects the whole sacred wheel. Until then, I hope that this podcast helps you to think about abundance in a different way so that you reflect on how much you already have and let that be enough even as you expand to welcome more. And if you're not a Capricorn and don't want to climb, sacrifice, keep going, and work hard to accumulate, chill. Enjoy what you have. Be in that energy of plenty. It's enough. So thanks for joining me this week. Winter is quickly fading away, but the best way to feel all the gifts of the season is to really embody all the energy that's here. If you're not very earthy, now is the time to get a handle on that so that you have a great foundation as we move into the season of spring when the universe will call on you to blossom. Got questions, comments? Don't forget to leave me a comment as I'd love to hear from you. Wishing you tons of abundance. Ciao, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.